You're listening to a special episode of Dwell on Truth, covering the war in Ukraine. I'm Brenton Powers. It's Thursday, March 3rd, and as a former missionary in Ukraine, I still have friends who are serving as missionaries in Ukraine. On today's program, you'll hear from three pastors. 24 hours ago, they made time to talk about the danger in Ukraine since Russia invaded, which has been called the worst war in Europe since World War II, but why they're staying in Ukraine in their time of need. Plus, an American pastor from California going to Hungary this week to help with logistics for refugees flowing to that country. In the last 24 hours, estimates have increased from 500,000 to 1 million people have escaped Ukraine. I want to introduce my friend Benjamin Morrison. He's a pastor and missionary in Svitlovodsk, Ukraine, and with City to City Europe, which is an organization that trains church planters and preachers. And he's a dear friend of mine. I visited him in Svitlovodsk in 2013 and 2014. And he's my go-to guy when it comes to giving Americans insight on what's happening culturally, spiritually, and he's got his finger on the pulse of the political things too. So Benjamin, welcome. Welcome to Dwell on Truth. Thanks, Brenton. Now, our first question is, how are you? We love you and care for you. So how are you, your family, your church? Are you hanging in there? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the Lord is upholding us. It's obviously uh, a difficult situation. Um, we're we're in a smaller town, which you know, since you've been here, um, on the west side of the Dnieper River. So uh, we're fortunate. Uh, the Lord has given us that blessing that we haven't had any direct bombing the way that a lot of the larger cities have. We do have lots of air raids to where we're going down the bomb shelters, um, you know, but so far no no direct strikes or anything. Yeah, you said yesterday you were in the bomb shelter all morning, today too? Uh, yeah, well, there was a, no, today, thankfully, we are... <laughs> It's been it's been relatively quiet today, thankfully. Uh, we did have one one early in the morning, and then one kind of mid morning that was pretty quick, um, and that was about it. So yeah, so it's been much much quieter today, which is nice. I saw a video of you leading people in the Our Father prayer, and then sharing a very brief gospel message. One thing I always admired about you was how you keep Christ the center of whether you're teaching the Bible or just having a conversation. Are you finding opportunities to share the gospel in this crisis. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, in a time like this, people are asking a lot of questions. There's a lot of fear. You know, we're, we're staring quite literally death in the face, potentially anyway. People obviously have died. I mean, it's been a great opportunity in the sense that just to share the hope that we have in Christ, uh, because there's one who's overcome death, Yeah, you know, and obviously the enemy wants to use this all for evil, to steal, kill, and destroy. But, you know, what the enemy intends for evil, God turns and uses for good the prime example being in the cross itself. Yeah, amen, amen. What do you think Americans need to know about the truth of what's going on there? I don't think there's really any great mystery here. It's very clear to everyone who's, you know, just got their own common sense that that what Putin is doing is is evil and um, horrific. Um, you know, this is, this is the worst war since World War II in Europe. What would you like to say to Putin if you had a chance? Well, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say those things on your radio show. <laughs> Show, Brenton. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, wow. N- no. Um, Would you tell Putin to go to hell, go kill himself? I mean, no. Well, I mean, obviously, we all deserve hell is the truth. That's true. So, I mean, e- even now, you know, I believe God can humble him in such a way that it's possible he could repent. Yeah. You know, nobody in that sense, as long as they're still alive, is beyond beyond the saving grace of God. However, if he is unwilling to do that, if, you know, he hardens his heart kind of in the way that Pharaoh did, well, we all know how Pharaoh ended. Yeah. Who thought that he was sort of the great king and he could do whatever he wants. Well, the truth is there's only one true king and he will not share his glory. So Amen. our prayer is that God would humble the pride of man and glorify himself in that way. However, he chooses to do that, whether that's possible, you know, through repentance, but if not, just simply through crushing down the enemy and, and just kind of getting him out of the seat of power that he's in, uh-huh. then so be it. So yeah. the, the exact methods we leave to the Lord, but uh, right. we're, we're certainly praying that his will would be done. And that because he is a God who does care for righteousness and justice, that his justice would shine in this moment and that he would deliver us from those who seek our life as David often prayed. Yeah. And how are you praying for the president of Ukraine and for the army of Ukraine and to defend your city? Praying for the president of Ukraine, which, yes, of course we are. Praying that God gives him strength and wisdom. Um, Praying, you know, not only for him, but for just, you know, leaders across the world to have the political will to uh, make the tough decisions necessary to see this injustice put down. I think I heard you also mention the military. Uh, So obviously we're praying for them. You know, we're very thankful that God has put them in their place and that they're they're defending Ukraine, defending their home, our home, mm-hmm. praying that he would strengthen their hands. We're doing what we can to serve them. You know, there's also lots of volunteer forces probably, which people have heard. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, just, I mean, just regular people that, you know, want, are not, are not willing to watch, you know, their homes just get rolled over um, and their families. So. so do you know some men that are uh, volunteering? Oh, there's, I mean, there's lots of volunteer municipal defense units, I guess is what you would call them in English, okay. that in each city are kind of just trying to do whatever they can to make sure that the, the Russian troops are not getting through or not creating mischief. Okay. So, Can you tell us what your church is doing for the refugees from the, from the East? You're housing refugees and feeding them and buying bread. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there's already, oh, I think the number is half a million. We've just had uh, three refugees come and um, we've got spaces set up that we put, put up in our church building to take them in. Uh-huh. So we've just had had uh, three new ones come just now. Yesterday, there was a change in the way that Russia was attacking to where if they had previously been targeting mostly military objects, um, now, especially in Kharkiv, which is a city in the east, they just, you know, they just went all out on civilian targets. Oh, man, I'm sorry. So there's a huge flood of refugees, you know, now today from uh, Kharkiv that are heading. There's already been a lot, obviously, but even more now. So we're here sort of at a crossroads for heading further west. Yeah. So we're trying to do everything that we can to serve them in this hour of their need, to bring the hope of Christ, uh, to meet obviously their their basic physical needs of a place to sleep, feed them, you know, get them give them the opportunity to, you know, to have a shower and get their wits about them. Yeah. For a lot of people that have already made it this far, they probably won't stay for a long time in our city. It's sort of a stopping point on the way further west. So it's just a short bit, but we hope that in that short moment that we can show the love of Christ to them, that we can, you know, be his hands and feet as it were. Amen. Thank you for doing that. And I think that that love speaks volumes. So why are you staying in Ukraine? 
people want to know. I understand, but <laughs> why why would you stay there? Right. So, you know, this, this is our home. This is where God has called us. We knew of this potential happening. You know, the U.S. consulate kind of sent emails like warning, hey, this, this could happen. Uh, you know, so we've we thought about it, prayed about it before anything even started. And we knew, at least for my wife and myself, that this was, we were always going to stay. Because, I mean, after all, if, if we leave, who's going to minister all these people? Yeah. So we're here. We trust the Lord's sovereignty in this. You know, our kids are here with us, also serving. They're real troopers, doing great. Mm-hmm. Good. I was just reading in, you know, Psalm 139 this morning that... God's written in his book every day that he has planned for us. So mm-hmm. however many days those are, uh, we trust that they're in, in his hands and in his book. There's a poem that um, I actually was meditating on again before this war even started by a missionary by the name of C.T. Studd. You may you may know of him, Brent. Yeah. You know, but he was, a, he was an Englishman who then went to do missionary work in China and in India and Africa. And he wrote a poem, you know, that says, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ. Will ask. I love that. I, I think that's worth keeping in view. Yes. Yeah. In a nutshell, that's why we're here. Awesome. Well, thank you for, again, for what you're doing to serve the people in your church. Speaking of your church building, how is your building project? I see you are housing people there. Is it completed already or do you still need funds to complete? Thankfully, the Lord, I think in his sovereignty, brought us to the point where our building is most part of it is done. There's a lot that's not done. And in fact, it's actually stuff that's connected with ministering to the refugees. So we don't have our kitchen done. Uh, we, We had a kitchen plan for one of the rooms. We don't have the shower room done. So we're actually having to take them to a nearby sports center to have them take showers. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some things that need done that actually it would be great to get done quickly in order to serve the refugees. But it is done enough to where we've been holding services there for since last Easter, I guess, is when we had our first service there. Yeah. So there's a need for the building. There's obviously a great, a great and greater maybe need for resources to serve the refugees that are coming. Yeah. Are there any shortages in uh, resources like gas and flour? So it's a very fluid situation where there may be a shortage in one place one day. It could be that, you know, the next day stocks get replenished and and it's okay. Mm -hmm. At the moment, again, because of this flood coming from Kharkiv, um, we've heard reports that there's a lack of fuel on the way. So, you know, people, again, just this huge, many, many miles long line caravan, really, of refugees heading out of Kharkiv, um, you know, and some of them are just their cars are stalling out because there's no fuel anywhere left to fill up and continue going. Yeah. We're also trying to figure out, you know, ways to get rides to them to help them get this far to Sweet Levots. I mean, it's chaos, it's war, right? Right. So it's a very fluid situation, but we're we're here, we're on the ground. For those who who are interested and who want to partner with us to get aid to these refugees, we're, we've got some partner churches in the US that they can do that through. Yeah, I'll share a link that you gave me earlier. Okay. So that people can support you and Fantastic. and the refugees that you are supporting. Yep. And uh, Benjamin is doing great work with sharing the gospel and equipping people to do so all around in Ukraine. I wanted to ask, is your heart crushed at how a million people have left Ukraine? Is that a major setback in the church planting effort? I didn't get all of that. I got people leaving, heart crushed. Try again. How has this affected your church planting effort? Is this a setback with the city to city church planting? 
plants. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's let's say that it definitely changes the strategy, right? <laughs> yeah. But here's the I mean, you know, here's the reality again. Every time that Satan, like I said in the beginning, you know, tries to do something against God, he only ends up shooting himself in the foot. Uh-huh. So we've already seen people come to faith just over this last week. Praise God. There are going to be so many church plants among so many Ukrainians that are now, you know, refugees and and in the surrounding countries. I mean, um, I think when when things settle down, there's actually going to be a boom, a huge boom of church planting and and specifically among Ukrainians. So again, uh, looks like looks like Satan's strategy isn't panning out for him. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't pan out for Goliath either, did it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, we just have five more minutes and then I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. Is there anything you want to share? Like, what is the gospel? We're actually on a secular radio station. So a lot of our listeners are not Christians. Okay. Can you share the gospel in your own words in a few minutes? Yeah. I mean, how about if I share, you know, what it is that we're sharing with people here? why it's so relevant now. That would be great, yes. The reality is war and things like pandemics, you know, they, they tend to remind us that, you know, we're not going to be here on this earth in this life forever, that, you know, death is a reality that we will all eventually have to face. And it's always, whenever we get there, whenever that is to that threshold, it's always going to seem too quick. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be pretty awful. Yeah. But the, the gospel says, that there's one who has overcome death, and that's Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He he dove headfirst into death and exploded it from the inside. And the reason that death is in the in the world in the first place, you know, the Bible says, is because sin is in the world. Uh, there's a direct correlation. It's the result. God didn't create us for death. He created us for life eternal. And that's why the whole connection, right, between you know Jesus paid for our sins, as I'm sure many you know many people have heard that phrase, meant specifically that he had to die. Why? Because he he did not only kind of deal with guilt, he dealt with all, all the results of sin, which includes death, you know, on every level. Uh, so he took that on himself. He took all those results of sin on himself, defeated them so that we could have victory through him. If we believe in that, and if we believe he's taken those sins that really are ours, mm-hmm. you know, and really paid pay that that price and, and done war with the enemy who would love to destroy us forever, but he's gained the victory and he shares that victory. You know, it's just like in the story, uh, Brenton, of David and Goliath that you referenced and that, that I actually preached on on Sunday. Yeah. You know, many people are referring to this uh, whole conflict as sort of like David and Goliath type thing, um, you know, with Russia being so huge. Yep. I mean, the thing is that David came as just sort of this small, you know, not impressive figure. But he trusted fully in God. He went to war with the enemy for the Israelites. And in that story, yes, David gained victory, but he gained it not just for himself. He gained it for the entire people, right? He was their mediator. He was the one who went out against the enemy for everyone else, which is actually, you know, Goliath's challenge as he says, pick one, you know, choose one who will, who will stand for you. Yes. And really, David is there to point to the greater David, which is Jesus. He's the one who went to battle for us. He's the one who took on the great giants of sin, Satan, death, and hell in order to gain a victory. And we get to enjoy that freely if only we will say, you know, yes, I want him to be my king. So, yeah. Awesome. There you go. You share the gospel in as much time as they allow. And thank you so much for joining us. And know that we are praying for you. We're praying for your church, praying for these refugees you're ministering to and all of Ukraine. May there be peace in Ukraine. Ukraine, and uh, glory to God, and God bless you for the work that you're doing. Thanks, Brenton. Appreciate it. And people can follow you on Facebook at Benjamin Morrison. 
Benjamin D. Morrison, for those who, who are interested and who want to partner with us to get aid to these refugees, we're, we've got some partner churches in the U.S. that they can do that through. Yeah, I'll share a link that you gave me earlier Okay, so that people can support you and, Fantastic. and the refugees that you are supporting. Yep. Thanks, brother. Take care. Praying for you. God bless you. You too. So that's the end of our first interview with Benjamin D. Morrison, who you can find on Facebook. And if you want to give to Calvary Chapel Svitlovotsk, you can do so through the link provided on the show page at dwellontruth.org. Our next pastor is an Australian serving in Kargalik, Ukraine, with Calvary Chapel and a business enterprise called Clean Soul, Clean City, Wayne Shep. Hey, Wayne, how are you doing? Good, I might. Just hopped off the Zoom with Ben Morrison. Do you know him? Oh, mate. Yeah, I, I was talking with Ben today. Yeah. yeah, good conversation. Very good. Do you have about 25 minutes to talk? I've got as long as you need, mate, as you as you feel led to do. Well, do you want to pray since we have a little bit of time? If I pray, I'll cry. So how about you pray? I will pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of your people and how you've prepared them to trust you through this. And there are definitely things that are heartbreaking, and uh, I don't want to make Wayne cry, but um, Lord, there is so much going on that's complicated and challenging. So we need your grace. And I pray that you'd give Wayne grace today as he shares that the word of of hope in Christ would spread and that um, you would help us to understand what's going on and how we can support them and pray for them and that you would be glorified through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just so people understand uh, who you are and what you do, can you give us just kind of the basics of how long have you been in Ukraine and, and what is what are the ministries you're working with? Yeah, I normally introduce myself as uh, Wayne from Ukraine. Well, that's pretty fitting today, but um, originally from Australia. I uh, turned up in Ukraine in 93, so I've been here for more than 28 years and uh, came on a one-year missions trip adventure and uh, got stuck here and uh, found the girl and we have uh, uh, four beautiful uh, Ukrainian kids now. So um, yeah, been, been here for uh, a long time, love this country and uh, and am called to stay here. Uh, yeah. And that's a decision that is a tough one, I'm sure, which takes some sacrifice and faith. Why are you staying? This is the place we're called to be. These are the people that we love and um, we've been praying for so long that the Lord would, would work and we cannot leave the, these people in their time of need. Mm-hmm. And um, what would we say if we left and then came back when everything was good and everything was destroyed? And let's 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 fix it, okay? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, we've done, we've been with them plowing the, the field when it's been tough um, spiritually. Well, now who is not praying now and who is not asking God for God's intervention? Why is it that the Christians shouldn't be here? And why isn't that those uh, trailblazers of uh, missionaries should be here too if, uh, if that is possible if that is possible yeah. so for me for me that is still possible so it'll take a lot to dig us out I'm sure Ben sounded a little bit defiant um, and uh, we have a place where you are in Kiev the Kiev region right and how far away from the fighting yeah so my uh, my church I'm the pastor of Kaharalik church which is uh, 80 kilometers uh, south of Kiev so um, on the first night um, we heard that the uh, uh, the local power station was being attacked, and that was one of my contingency plans. Of if we lose electricity, and and if the if the attack goes as quick as it was supposed, as they everyone was predicting it would. So I moved my family to uh, safety. We're now 200 kilometers away, um, and it's actually given me as the leader of Operation Mobilization in Ukraine to play a coordinating role 
amongst uh, other teams. And um, so I'm actually not in my church uh, right now, but the church is uh, is operating. It takes in refugees. Uh, we send people into Kiev. You may understand that Kiev is under siege at the moment. Yes. I just want you to. I just want you to think about that. I... There is a city. <laughs> there is a city under siege, and the Christians are going in and they're pulling people out um, and they're bringing them to safety. And so our town is a uh, is that first uh, safer spot. If things keep going the way that they are, uh, our town will remain safe. Uh, but actually, getting back to it now is not that easy. Mm. So, and because of the work that uh, that the Lord's put on my hand, I, I need to be where I am now. If you're living there with the with the people and people are knocking on your door and you've, it, yeah, the stuff that I have to do is uh, is more than just receiving the uh, the refugees, but it's uh, planning for how do we get the most good done in Jesus' name in this place where uh, when the logistics uh, go down or that the event goes to the new stages uh, of severity. When I met you, it was 2001, 2002, and I, I noticed you had a keen sense for not just spiritually helping people, but practically helping them. And I, I hear that as you're describing your strategy and thinking about the stages this can go to. Um, at the stage you're at right now, just so people understand, how many people do you think have left and how many refugees are coming to you at the moment? Like, Is there an influx of people or is it less people? I would say less because we've had church members take people away and I presume that others have done that too. People yeah. that can't go anywhere, that uh, uh, they've stayed. So I'd say that it's gone down um, a little bit. Uh, to what extent, um, I don't know. When you say take them away, you mean like to another city like Lviv? Correct. Uh, so during the previous event in 2014-15, we had one and a half million internally displaced people. Wow. They didn't really get over the border. Uh, now it's a different situation, but we have, because we've got no visa issues with Europe, uh, the Ukrainians, and because of the sheer danger of the situation, we are seeing that already half a million Ukrainians have crossed the border. I don't know how many have decided to stay in Western Ukraine. So that's um, okay. the statistic. The statistic is not yet. The statistic shows how many have crossed the border of uh, right. different countries. Yeah. But uh, it, do, it does show you the severity of uh, of the situation. And okay. as time goes on, it's only going to get worse right. um, as the, the Russians uh, bombard big cities. That was a hard question to know because there's so much influx, I'm sure, and so much complications here. What are the challenges for you and your wife and your children personally? How many children do you have, by the way? So I have four sons. Um, uh, two of them graduated from high school and they did exactly what I did. I came to Ukraine when I was 17 and they said, Dad, we want to we want to study in university. We said, that's good. And they said, in Australia. Uh, okay. Uh -huh. So uh, they said, how old? We said, you can't. It's too far. And and, uh, and, you're, and you're too young. And they said, uh, but how old was Dad when he came to Ukraine? 17. So they've been in Australia. They were with us for Christmas, actually. Mm -hmm. And one of them left just a few days before um, it, uh, I don't know, you say it hit the fan. Um, so <laughs> that's, uh, we were very pleased to, to get him out. And actually, the uh, the day we were supposed to go and pick up our other boys' um, Ukrainian passports the next day after the war began. But mm -hmm. I uh, we decided to change it and I went in the day before. And so uh, God uh, gave me that impulse to get, go in now because yeah. Kiev closed. There's no business going on in Kiev, right? Yeah. Well, you don't have to reveal your location if you don't want to, but you are with your wife, correct? Uh, correct, correct. Okay. Are you? Do you feel like you're in any danger if you were to reveal your location as a foreigner? Are you in danger? Am I in danger? 
Um, I personally, it's funny how you would measure that. Um, and Brent, if you were here, you would war. probably say you, you were in danger. You're in That's a war. Everybody yeah. has land. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I have a good grip on the situation that the place where we are is safe. It's also very nationalistic. Uh, I think yeah. you're getting a good picture that, um, the Ukrainians, um, are, are not going to give up their territory and then, yeah. and it's not, they would prefer the, the buildings to be destroyed than to lose, to, than to lose. However, everyone needs to do, if you're, to, if you've got wife and kids, what do you do? You take them, you take them away. Right. And then what do you do? You come back. Yeah. So I think the report today was that the 80,000 Ukrainian men that were overseas have returned. Oh, wow. Um, just get a picture of that. Yeah. And uh, what, what was the inspiration? Um, multiple things have happened. Uh, and I, I, think that we're actually uh, seeing potentially a, a major miracle uh, unfolding before us and that's what we've been praying about know that we are praying for ukraine we're praying for you your family and cocker leak <laughs> I can hear you fine, but you sound fine. One of our major problems is, is cabin fever. It's still cold here, and there are seven of us in 70 square meters living, um, and uh, the kids don't go out and, and play. So uh, they're, they're finding ways to, uh, to love each other as little kids do. That's, fine. <laughs> That's okay. So how can we pray for you and your family and your church and your, your refugee ministry right now? Um, well, please firstly pray for the safety of our drivers who are going into Kiev and pulling people out um, as the corridor closes, uh, but also that the people that need to get out, that they would um, take that step of faith through their fear and they would get to where they need to because uh, it's very frustrating that you have 20 people on your list and, and they don't turn up. So today, one of our drivers pulled out six people uh, and two cats and two dogs, um, but not your everyday ministry. So if you could pray for that while uh, that's the most pertinent thing at, at, at the moment. Okay. And secondly, that the church, as it's ministering, you have the word of God and you have the spirit of God and you have ministry to do that they would, uh, even though we've got Christians now from different denominations coming and living in our basement and in our church, that uh, that would be a real time of uh, spiritual uh, uplifting for them. And also I won't get political. You, you're all praying for those same yeah. things, but um, as this, the crisis deepens, that um, it would unfold, that the people doing all that they can, that we would connect so that we can play the role of being salt and light, being the hands that are upholding those that are um, there ministering amongst the people where the, the growing needs are just uh, being compounded. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much what I'd want. And some of the needs that you're facing, are you running into shortages of just basic necessities like food and water and gas? You're traveling. Are, so are, one, yeah. one of our contingency plans was um, uh, we knew where to go that even if we lose electricity, so praise God, we haven't lost electricity. And secondly, we haven't lost the internet. I... I don't. I do not know um, who, in their right mind, would let the Ukrainian people um, allow themselves to uh, to communicate and to be able to uh, have have that luxury. But the Lord has uh, has protected us to this uh, to this point. Did you hear um, that Elon Musk is uh, providing Starlink internet? Is that yeah, I'm, useful? I'm, wait, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my satellite uh, internet phone. I, I hear that you get a, a Tesla <laughs> as a as a perk. So. Um, I just can't wait for it to roll up and that'll probably be better if they keep the electricity on, then I won't need to look for fuel, which is a big pressure point at the moment, yeah. seriously. Okay. Um, and uh, what else? So you, 
just you know, just things like salt uh, we haven't been able to buy. Um, we heard this morning I was I didn't do my morning exercises because my brother-in-law called. Uh, he's off to work and he said, "Quick, get out there. There's bread." So we mm-hmm. I had to go and uh, go and get bread this morning. But at the at the moment where we are, um, um, we have the we have the necessities. But that's going to ch- that's going to change, and yeah. um, we want to be a part of finding out where the actual needs are. Um, also, we need medical supplies for all the the thousands of soldiers that have been wounded. Yeah, um, you could just imagine the the pressure that that's putting on um, on the system. Yes, yes, absolutely. So if people want to give to your ministry, can, will some of that go to bandages and and bread and uh, bed sheets and stuff like that? Yep. The beautiful thing with OM is that they um, they trust the teams on the ground. And so, uh, of course, you see so many needs around you, but God has given you certain things to do, um, the avenues that he has uh, made open. So we, we minister to those needs and what we're in multiple locations. So each team um, is doing different things. So it's, it will go towards medical supplies. It'll go towards uh, food, um, blankets and um, uh, clothing as well as, as well as fuel so that we can uh, do the logistical stuff. Okay. And maybe, and, and as things move on, we might even need a vehicle or two because the country is um, in the way that is. Awesome. Well, I've already shared a link on my Facebook to support you and your family, and I will share another one along with this podcast. But if people listening on the radio, how can they, uh, what's the best way for them to support you? If you're in the US, you go to OM and there's a give page and I'll actually supply the, the link. Does that help with the radio? I don't I don't know. I'll read it out later. Basically, you enter my name and it comes up as Wayne and Olu in, in Ukraine. So how do that, I pronounce your last name correctly? I say Sheck. Sheck. Yeah. Support yeah. Wayne Sheck. And your wife and kids' names? Uh, Olga is my wife's name. And Mark, Matvey, Nikita, and Timofey. And she's Ukrainian. And your kids all have Ukrainian citizenship. Correct. Yes. Well, thank you for giving your decades of, of your life to this and not leaving and loving the people with the love of Christ. I think that's something that is blowing away Americans here is how, I mean, they're impressed by Zelensky and his devotion to stay there and give courage to everybody, but I think the pastors like you and Ben and the unnamed Ukrainian pastors that nobody even knows who are on the front lines um, yeah. willing to lay down their lives, they there are a lot of heroes in this situation. Uh, you probably don't want to be called a hero, but uh, in my mind you are, and so thank you for what you're doing. Do you have time for a couple more thoughts? Yes, I'd love for you to share your heart, share your thoughts. So um, since the 2014 Revolution of Dignity, the Christians evangelical Christians who are in an extreme minority here. And of course, they were persecuted during the, the Soviet time. So they were nobodies and there weren't many of them. So in 2014, uh, when the war began, we would see Christian young people going to the front lines to evangelize the soldiers and to pray for them. And the soldiers wanted them to stay. And that is how the chaplaincy movement began. Um, And so now we have registered chaplains of spiritual workers amongst the soldiers. And we've been doing that for eight years. And many of these are pastors. Uh, So this is a picture of what is going on. You've got people standing in the gap. You also got churches that were being planted on the front lines. So this is the new expression and Ukraine has now been prepared for this. Mm -hmm. Actually, God through that time has been preparing this nation and transforming it and the church to be capable to withstand what we're told is the world's uh, second most powerful uh, military 
God is empowering everybody uh, in faith and in obedience to do the job that they are supposed to do. And so this is our time to shine. That's what we believe. Now is the time for those who can to shine. Yeah. Acts chapter 8, take persecution out when Saul started killing people. The apostles stayed, but everyone else fled. No judgment. But what happened is they took the gospel with them wherever they went. And so this is what we're seeing now is the Christians whatever they needed to do they made those decisions and the gospel shines wherever they go and then what did you see you saw a missions movement begin and that's what we're praying yeah. we would see vibrant communities of jesus followers established among the, the least reached and we believe that god has not abandoned ukraine he's uh, taking it through a crucible and what do you get you get a strong valuable product able to be used yeah and withstand hot heat pressure and um through time so that's what we yeah. see. Wow. I'm speechless. <laughs> Man, could you tell us a story of um, what in the last 20 years? I'd love to hear kind of an end result story of, I know one of your strategies 20 years ago was to provide work. For example, you had a mushroom farm and for, <laughs> to help men who were like, you know, to detox from alcohol to get back into being a productive member of society. Can you tell us a story of somebody whose life has been changed like just 180 degrees? Before the war? Yeah, before the war, just some of the fruit of your ministry. Everyone's on a spiritual journey uh, and discipleship begins well before repentance. And um, quite often we have a reaping mentality when we evangelize, but often you've got to prepare the soil. So uh, the man that I would talk about, his name is Sasha. When the first war began, the country was in dire straits. We had a McDonald's oil business that we turned into biodiesel. So after the mushrooms, um, we were doing biodiesel and it became quite, it became quite a large operation and, and then everything stopped. And uh, we started a, uh, I just pulled the next project off, uh, off the shelf of my brain and it was transforming um, plastic waste into oil. So uh, we're looking at what sustainable missions would look like and uh, financing is a big problem. Spending time with people, discipling that can happen at the workplace. And so that's what my, my calling uh, is. And so um, after, I, after that desperate year of 2014, I had studied uh, this, this concept called pyrolysis for a year. And I got to the end of it and I said, God, I've got $1,000. I know what I would do. We can't buy the equipment. We need to make it. And there's only one guy in my town that can do it. But 10 years earlier, we had split off because of money terms. Actually, he was involved in the mushroom thing. Uh -huh. And we, it, was, it, was an ugly, it was an ugly situation. And I said, God, there's only one guy that can do that. So if 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 this is your will, then Sasha will agree. And it, it just turned out that through that that whole set of events, he started working with me. I gave him a down payment. And then he said, a year and a half into the project, he says, With you, Wayne, my soul has rested. Wow. He had been doing, he had been building metal things or ornate sort of stuff for rich people, special, you know, special craftsman sort of stuff uh -huh. and consistently the rich person would uh, change the deal when it came down to making the final payment and so he's in frustration that he's barely able to take care of his family the, the rich guys keep stabbing him in the back 
And uh, and when he came to work for us during that desperate year of, of 2014, yeah, that whole thing of um, yeah, my soul has rested. And mm-hmm. and now we pray together. Um, he's not a church member net yet, but uh, we do a discipleship thing with the men at the at the enterprise. These are people that would never normally come into a church building. We've created a totally different environment. It's been a beautiful thing that people believe in me. They believe in the project. They they believe where we're going. And along the way. They are not denying that this is there's something different here. And so we see that that is, it's almost time for reaping. Yeah. Right now, Sasha and his son are standing guard in the town. They're in the local militia and to defend their town. And it's like, God, that's where I want to be right now. You've got something else for me right now, but I want to be with my men during this time. Yeah. That's one of the heartstrings that's being pulled. What an amazing story. There are no atheists in foxholes, they say. So at this time, uh, we're praying for revival, yes. you know, that people will look to God at this really low point. But are there miracles happening that you're aware of uh, with protection? and? Oh, yes. The the city of Odessa should have been taken now, but has not been, um, along with Kherson and Nikolaev, crazy stuff. But they were just about ready to do an aerial, uh, uh, sorry, the marine assault on the beaches. <laughs> and they, there were mutinies on the ships. They were not going to land. They actually called the Ukrainians and said, do not attack us. We are turning around. We do not want to be here. Wow. You will hear more and more stories of we've been praying that the the spirit would be changed and that people would turn um and not want to fight. And uh, that we're seeing that we're seeing that happening yeah on multiple levels. I've got other really amazing stories but I can't I can't uh, confirm all of them uh at the moment, but God is doing stuff that protects people. You cannot then stand back and say I did not pray and I did not see that protection when you should have died. Or something like that. So uh, we are we are hearing those stories and they will come out more and more amongst the soldiers and amongst the civilians. Yeah, glory to God. May God continue to protect you and your family, your church and the refugees and your enterprise. For those who are curious, what's the name of your enterprise, if you don't mind sharing? So we call the project Clean Soul, Clean City. It's currently an NGO set up in uh, in the US and you can help us finish off our, our project that then can be multiplied. We want to see uh, hundreds of these spread out the country to to solve the waste problem and in the hands of the christians uh, we've already shown that through our innovation and our love for the town that if we if the christians can be seen to be providing solutions then that builds bridges right much more than when people hear oh you're a missionary pastor you're one of those sectarian people yeah or god where is he look at the stuff that we're going through right because of their history so we're building bridges but above that you're discipling dozens of people yeah each enterprise will have that will be dozens of families for little towns that's going to be like that's a large church and then it's generating profit so what do you do with the profit you invest it in the local town yeah fixing their needs ministering to the people people that Jesus prioritizes. Yeah. And then you project it into the next place that you go and you send disciples to uh, to start the same the same thing. So that's the vision. Wow. I know a lot of people here that will be fired up to hear what you just shared. They're they're called to uh, marketplace ministry and yep. that really gives men dignity that it's not just a free handout you're giving. You're giving them work and work that is making a difference. And so praise God for that. Cool. Thanks. We 
we hope you can complete that. But you don't think Russia is going to take over Ukraine? Do you have a message to Putin? Go for it. I do not have a message to Putin. I speak to his boss. <laughs> awesome. We read in the Bible, an evil person came and uh, we know that he's an instrument of the devil. And then later on, you hear that he was a servant of, of God. God does his thing. Mm -hmm. There is much more happening here than meets the eye. And we have to see that. Uh, the story of Elisha and his servant, and it didn't say that Elisha saw what was going on, but he asked that the, the eyes of the of the servant would be open to see that there are more that are for us than against us and their capability. The Lord is doing something amazing and the world is taking notice of that. Yeah. And we Christians have the opportunity to be in that mix because we're a part of the values that people are they're yearning for. And we can be there um, right there looking after the needs of the people that are hurting, hurting with them, mourning yeah. with them, holding our weak hands together, begging God for his mercy and for righteousness. Do we not want to see righteousness? Do we not want to see a, a society that where right is the norm, where truth is the norm? And that only comes in the end from the absolute who, who is Jesus. He says, if you, you know, if you seek the truth, if you want this, you're going to find the truth and you will, it will not only set you free, but you will, you will find Jesus. So anyway, that's me being emotional again. Amen. You're free to do that. And the Bible says, weep with those who weep. I feel like I've been on the verge of tears. I want you to know we're with you. Yeah. And I really do mean that. Like I'm right now on the verge of tears. Just, we are with you. And the name of the show is Dwell on Truth. So you just quoted one of my favorite verses. Like The truth will set you free. We just declare in Jesus' name, may God give uh, victory and freedom, preserve freedom in Ukraine. So you can do what you're doing. Really, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Sure. There's uh, so much going on spiritually. Yep. But we are with you. Thank you for such a powerful witness to the world. Cool. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. Yeah. And uh, we invite you to beautiful future Ukraine. We will see, you will be able to see with your own eyes the manifestation of the miracle um, that God is doing. That's what we believe. Beautiful people, beautiful country can be the breadbasket for Europe. Do you hope they join the EU? I don't have an opinion on that. <laughs> okay. My, my, my life is to love the people here. In the West, we get so caught up with our comfort. Life has benefited from uh, decisions of your forefathers that were made, uh, built on the gospel. And so the Lord knows what needs to happen for the most number of people to uh, become a part of his kingdom. Yeah. The politics is insignificant. Your hope isn't in man. It is in the Lord. I want you to know you're not alone. The world is praying for Ukraine. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brother, Wayne. Even though we just met 20 years ago, you're our Heavenly Father. We're brothers. He is your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you've prepared in advance that he should walk in. And the people in his church that are making those trips to, to Kiev that are looking for 20 people, for example, today, we do pray that they would find every single person that has requested assistance in getting out. And we pray for the road back that, that they would get back safely or wherever they're getting to, whether it's Lviv. Would you provide gas? Would you provide salt? Would you provide bread and water and rest and comfort in the prayer and consolation in Christ that there is in the midst of this suffering. And thank you for the crucible and, and the perspective of how you use that to refine faith. I just thank you that in the midst of evil, you are doing good and you are trustworthy and you're proving your trustworthiness and your love through your people in Ukraine. Help us in America and the West to, to learn from that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks for reaching out. Thank you. Slava Bogu. So that was Wayne Sheck. You can find him on Facebook at Wayne Sheck. That's spelled Z-C-H-E. C-H. 
And our third and final pastor you'll hear from today is Caleb Beller, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Fullerton, former director of Calvary Chapel Bible College and Calvary Chapel Conference Center in Vita, Hungary, who I worked with for two years. And he called while he was at the airport on his way to Hungary. Here's that call. Hello. Good to see you, brother. Yeah, good to see you too. It's been seven years. <laughs> all your kids are grown up. I know. We blink and we go, what happened? Our kids are all grown up. Well, everyone I know has been asking me, how is everyone in Ukraine and then the refugee crisis outside of Ukraine? I understand you are going to Budapest. We're... Flying into Budapest and uh, going to get a chance to meet up with some of the other pastors that are already on the ground. Um, you know, Phil Metzger, who we both know and got to serve with, as well as um, some of the other guys, Arpy, uh, and obviously the, the staff from the Calvary Chapel Budapest. They were so critical in the refugee crisis that we got to help with years ago, and they've been mobilizing already to respond with the current crisis. And so um, we'll get in country on ground, you know, starting in Budapest and kind of figure out what the, the needs and opportunities in terms of how we can respond, as well as some of the Ukrainian pastors that we know, um, yeah. the Markis, they're currently in Budapest as they've been bringing their family in to make sure their family's safe. Their family's going to be, you know, kind of getting settled in. They're still working on, on those logistics, right. but we'll get a chance to get some front frontline reports as these guys right. have been on the ground and working with the other pastors there in Ukraine. So yes. kind of looking forward to being able to get a better understanding once we actually get there. Right. You're still assessing the situation. Everyone is still just watching news report after news report. It's crazy what's happening over there. 500,000 people have left Ukraine. A lot of them have gone to Poland, other countries, but you're going to Hungary where there's a border between Ukraine and Hungary and a lot of Calvary Chapel missions know Budapest and then the facilities there are maybe a safe place to go. Yeah, that's what, and you know from being a missionary out here, there's just this kind of global network of this amazing Jesus family and the the Calvaries um, there in Ukraine and Hungary are pretty interconnected as some of the key church planters. Yeah. You know, we're all kind of planting around the same time with the Marquis and, and Rod and Juzhem. And so it's kind of this neat, um, like you said, familiarity, bridge that uh, a number of the Hungarian pastors and Ukrainian pastors um, who've served and supported each other over the years kind of have a, a safe place, a fallback place, a, a, a place to kind of regroup and, yep. and launch from. And so that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping to tap into is we're kind of hearing these guys have already been, like you said, responding because Poland, Hungary, Moldova, yeah, et cetera, are getting a large group of people that have been coming over daily. So that'll be one of the other places. Debertson, you know, Bodie over in Debertson, yep. um, he's kind of another central hub, you know, because he is, he He's, he's actually pretty close to the Ukrainian border. So that'll be another one of the spots that we're looking to go connect okay. with. Um, Imre is going to be coming down from Austria uh, and see just kind of how we can start to respond and get some vehicles, resources, because I'm seeing already reports, you know, Jeremy Ampey over in Chopron, they've got caravans going up to take up supplies. Yeah. So all kinds of amazing things that have been happening already with the guys on the ground. The immediate needs, as I understand from people that are there, are saying that people leaving are 
are running out of gas, running out of food, but the immediate need would be having a place to rest, having a place to crash after days of being out in the cold, sometimes on foot. You know, there's the emotional struggle of wives and children saying goodbye to their Ukrainian father, uh, not knowing when they'll see them again. And so the emotional toll that that's taking. Right. Um, how are you going to minister to people spiritually, emotionally, prayerfully in that time? Yeah, I think what we experienced during the last refugee crisis was one of the greatest gospel windows, you know, during so much of our almost 10 years in Europe. We saw that, you know, just the soil of people's hearts were open, that there was a, a real um, opportunity for, for communicating, being the hands and feet, because people will ask, why are you here? What are you doing? And when yeah. you're able to say Jesus loves you and he sees you and we're here to help and those practical things, you know, handing a cup of water in Jesus's name, a blanket, it's cold out there right now. So yep. all of those things, people are leaving so quickly that just the need for the practical, like got to meet people where they're at, come with resources. Like you said, you've got women and children yep. that are trying to get here with the least amount of things as possible because people are trying to get as many people into cars and, and vehicles as yeah. quickly. So that not a lot of room to travel with stuff, but I think it's in those moments where, you know, like you said, when, when you're able to, to wrap a hug, a blanket, a bottle of water, some food, um, when people are kind of hurting and in crisis and you're able to do it in Jesus's name, I just, there's nothing more powerful, you know, I think in terms of gospel opportunity Amen. than some of those things. And that's what I love about the church out there. So relational, so community oriented, they've already been doing it. And I think for us as the American church, as we may be able to provide resources, like you said, they'll be probably an ongoing need, you know, as things are getting organized long term in some of these cities with, like you said, how do we provide maybe some housing and resources yeah. as the surrounding communities are going to be, you know, trying to leverage resources to make sure people have a roof over their head or some basic foods and necessities yep. met all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just, I can speak from experience that you, Caleb, are a gifted uh, administrator, logistical director. You were the director of the Bible College in Vita and the Conference Center and making sure the you know, the body of Christ works well together. So thank you for being willing to leave your, your home church for a week where you're just starting a new building, uh, moving into a new building with new service times. I'm watching your YouTube page and it's like, yeah. why are you going at this time? <laughs> like... Well, we didn't yeah. prepare, we didn't plan for Putin to attack Ukraine and have everyone leaving. But but let me ask you, why? Why are you the one that's having to go over to, you know, you're the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Fullerton. Yeah, no, what a great question. Part of it, I have an amazing team. I've got a phenomenal support staff in terms of my pastoral team and my family who's allowing me the freedom to be able to go. And part of it's the personal opportunities, you know, that we have in terms of the relationships with some of the guys on the front line. So I feel like we have the privilege of being kind of a bridge here at a critical moment Yeah. in terms of being able to listen, hear, see how we can provide resources. And at the same time, because I do have the team that is going to be able to allow me to go um, it's kind of like, all right, Lord, if this door is open, right. we've got our women's retreat this weekend. My wife is running that. We It's it's week two as we're coming into the school district, <laughs> you know, working in our new facility. My kids have, you know, final soccer games and all this kind of stuff. But all yeah. of them, my children, my wife, the church all said, look, we can't go. But because you're there, we feel like we are there. And to be able yeah. to kind of be that bridge 
put hugs on these guys that we love. We've, you know, had the privilege of getting to know the Marquis and these team of people that are out there for, yes. you know, 15 years. And while they're experiencing some of these great, you know, crisis type moments to be able to, to minister, pray, and then be able to bring back a report. Because I think as, as you know, in the past, this is going to be probably a long-term need for ministry opportunities. So if we can kind of help facilitate that a little bit, get a better understanding of how we can be communicating to this amazing network of believers that right. you and so many other churches are a part of, just feel like this is a really critical moment to kind of do that. Yes. And so how, say people want to support you or do, can they send support through your church? Give they, us some practicals. How can people send financial support, for example? Yeah. One of the best resources actually that I've seen in terms of a direct pipeline, Phil posted it, um, I think about two days ago, and I think calvarychapel.com posted it. Uh, he set up a kind of direct relief fund that's going through, I think, Calvary San Diego. We also, I mean, granted, our church has covered my trip and you know anybody that's giving through our church will make sure that these funds are getting um, to the right place. But the best fund that I've seen specifically right now, if people are motivated and wanting like to say, hey, we want to get hands, our funds in the hands of those that are ministering to refugees, uh, uh, housing and clothes and all food. of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, food. That fund that was set up is what I'm sure these Hungarian, Ukrainian pastors, et cetera, are going to probably be accessing. Okay. Um, that's what we were able to do you know, during the refugee crisis. And I'm grateful that Phil and his team have already got that up and underway. Um, and I think you can find that via the Facebook, the San, the, the, the church page, Twitter, the, um, you know, all of that is available. It looks like it went live just a couple of days ago and okay. we've been linking to that too. So great. I'll, I'll make sure to get that link directly into my podcast and the radio show when it goes live. So how can people keep track of what you're doing and get updates from you? Just go to Calvary Chapel Fullerton's YouTube channel. Yeah, they can follow us at the Calvary Chapel Fullerton YouTube channel. I'll be posting updates as we're in country, as well as try to keep what we can post on Facebook, etc. Facebook. Caleb Beller. B-E-L-L-E-R. Check him out, guys. You got it. Thank you guys for your prayers, Brenton. Grateful yeah. for you and your heart and your passion to share the gospel and the Jesus community that you continue to edify and build up. So grateful for this little window to share together yes. and um, looking forward to see what God's going to do. So am I. And uh, what can I pray for you as you're about to Please. board a plane right now Please. to Hungary. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Kayla Beller back to Hungary for this week to help assess and prepare for Ukrainian refugees and Ukrainian Christians and even those who are in ministry that had to flee from their ministry posts to minister to Ukrainians outside the border of Ukraine. I pray you give him wisdom as he figures out the logistics and works with other local pastors and uh, churches and the conference center Lord willing, to have, find a place for these people to land, rest, eat, and get comforted, Lord, and ultimately that your love would be expressed. Thank you for showing your love through your people. I pray that you would give over and abundantly beyond all they could ask or think for your grace and glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll look forward to keeping everybody up to date. All right. We'll keep in touch. So that was Caleb Beller. You can find him on Facebook at Caleb Beller, B-E-L-L-E-R. Finally, I recommend that you follow all three of these pastors on Facebook, Caleb Beller, Wayne Sheck, and Benjamin Morrison, and find the link to support at the show page, dwellontruth.org, to help in the short and long term. And if you'd like to increase the amount I could donate, I'll send 100% of new donations that come in 
at patreon.com slash dwellontruth and 100% of the donations will go directly to Ukraine, to these three ministries that are helping provide relief for refugees within Ukraine and outside of Ukraine in Hungary. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. And thank you for giving.